Hey, y'all. Hey, guys. Uh, just wanted to drop in here. Just popping in. <laughs> to let you know just that... Just stopping by. <laughs> yeah. This episode was recorded almost a year ago. A year ago. And I was dealing with the unfortunate passing of my penny cat at the time. At the time, yeah. So if I seem a little scattered, that would be why. And I think it's a damn good reason. But the episode's also kind of damn good at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I was struggling too. Look, we all loved Penny. Penny was our mascot. We loved Penny. She was our... Yes, we still do. Our patron saint of our podcast. She is still with us. So. Yes. So yeah, now we're here a year later. We can say we love her and we miss her mm-hmm. and we love transparency and we advocate for mental health. It is what it so is. So we wanted to be honest about it. Absolutely. Yeah. But you're still going to have a blast because it was still a good time and they still <laughs> capture the souls or tried to. <laughs> still capture the souls the way Penny made us capture her soul oh. in our hearts. <laughs> oh, she's yes. So she's the cutest. She was the best. Yeah. Well, without further ado, enjoy the show, guys. Yeah. Enjoy. You're listening to That's Pretty Dark. The podcast where we talk about all of the entertainment that scared us as children. And still haunts us as adults. So grab your flashlight and join us as we take a frightfully nostalgic look over our shoulders. And under our beds. And in our closets. And together we'll realize, whoa, that's pretty that's dark. That's pretty dark. We have a Buzz joining us. We are here. My name is Kaylin. My cat's name is Buzz. We got a Buzz. <laughs> We're all here coming at you live from my office. Live. Not really live. Yeah. Yeah. Live as, as live can be for you right now. Coming at you. Yeah. You're Christian. That's your Oh, yeah. Name. My name's Christian. My cats are in the other room. Yeah. So they're not part of it right now. They're currently spooning. Um, pretty much the cutest thing. It's pretty sweet. Pretty yeah, sweet. we have four cats between us, so yeah, yeah, it's lots a, of cat energy it's going on. It's a big old problem. Feeling fun. Actually, you know, I'm not mad about it because the I love dogs. You know, we always say this: we're dog people that have cats. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But the cat energy is way more my speed. Like Same. super chill, super relaxed mm-hmm. bursts of energy. Yes, and then back to chilling. and then back to immediate. Just like I'm gonna lay down mid stride. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's way more like stop us. Stop on a dime in every way. Sit down. Yeah, that's more like me. Yeah, I'm definitely done now. Animal talk. Well, the weather's been so. No, crazy that's what lately. I was gonna say. I was gonna say, welcome to our podcast about cats. Catcast. Um, actually, we don't only talk about cats. We also talk about spooky stuff. Podcast, including Are You Afraid of the Dark and other things that uh, are spooky from our childhoods. Oh yeah. Today, I'm covering um season one, episode eight of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Seven. Ooh, yeah, seven. Let's start that over. Today I'm covering <laughs> what are we talking season about one, today? episode <laughs> seven of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh, I didn't Lord. even read it. I was just guessing. And also, it's not my fault because Paramount Plus is all kinds they of jacked are, up when it comes to the- We're actually both pretending order. we know this is episode seven. We're yeah, just, this could entirely be false. This is all based on trust because no list is the same. Yeah, no no two lists are the same. We don't know what order they actually aired in, nope. but we're going with the best information we can find. That's true. And what that tells me mm-hmm. is that this episode supposedly aired on SNCC on September 26th, 1992. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This episode was directed by show creator DJ McHale, as we've known and loved for a little while now. DJ. And it was written by DJ and... 
once again, the mysterious Anne Appleton has made a re uh, appearance. And I don't know um, if this is the last episode. I don't know. She only did a few. So DJ and Anne wrote this together. Fake name. Uh, I, I just feel like it has to be, but I don't know. The summary of this episode on IMDb says... A family moves to a small house in the summer where they befriend a young man and start feeling weaker every day. That's what it says on IMDb. <laughs> I would like to correct something in that they don't move into a house, a small house. It's like an inn. It's like a bed and breakfast. So that's really not They're the going to stay there for like a week. Yeah. Not very descriptive, right? Sense. Yeah. Uh, my summary says... An unassuming but apparently very physically fit family visits a lakeside inn managed by a teenage voyeur who really needs to get a life, his own, not anyone else's. Yeah, he is a voyeur, isn't he? What a creep. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So that's my my summary. You might remember this episode, maybe not. I have like a vague memory of it, and I think it's mostly because of the kid's makeup or, you know, yeah. the fact that he just looks really creepy. His hair is all whack. Yeah, he and... looks real over the top. Yeah. Over the top scary. I don't think I remember this episode. From my childhood. If I do, it's just his face. It didn't, you know, it didn't, I don't remember the plot. Yeah, I think I remember vaguely him because of how crazy he looks, but not like I don't remember the plot specifics or anything like that. Yeah, he's looking wild. No. I'm hearing spirits talk in my house. Yeah, you're hearing voices? Truly, just heard voices in my house. Ooh. And I have one of my ears uncovered because I don't like to not hear myself in actual time. And I genuinely just heard a voice in my house. You want to go double check? Oh, my God. I'm <laughs> looking down the hallway. Nothing's moving. No cats are reacting. Let's stay on the air. But I swear it was like a, f a feminine voice. Go check your house. Okay. Yeah, just one. Yeah, one leave it recording. Un momento. This is a real time. <laughs> wow, yeah. So we're all experiencing this together right now. Um, I don't know how this is not going to seem like a gag, but it totally does. Nothing that I can see. You didn't go anywhere. I did. I went through my living room and checked in the kitchen. Did you check in your guest bedroom. bedroom where the door is shut and that leads out to the back, the outside? Nope. <laughs> sure didn't. But Buzz is sitting in the middle of the living room and he would be reacting. Did you check your attic? I have, fun fact, I've only been in my attic one time since I bought this house yeah. and it was a terrible experience and I don't plan to go up there again. I love my attic. Oh, it's spooky. Maybe you heard a voice outside. I had, it had to have been, but it was just, it felt very close. You are next to a window. But my neighbors have been doing stuff, so maybe it was my neighbor. It just felt too, too close. Sorry. I'm glad you weren't just murdered by it, like with an axe right now. Same. Would, I mean, we'd be famous. I mean, we'd be the number one Oh my one God, podcast. you would be famous. Yeah, I would. I would be dead. Definitely <laughs> upload this episode for sure. Oh, you! I give you full permission if anything happens to me while recording that you upload and make money off of this. Same. Cool. And thank God I have an alibi though. I mean, thank <laughs> God. You're not, you're not even around. You're not even close. If you die, I am one of the top three suspects. I'm probably yeah, the top. Yeah, because I only have like three friends. So Yeah. Well, no, I just mean Definitely. all of the guys in your in your life. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like it's one of those three. It's one of the three. Oh my you know, God. we all just, that shared trauma just brought us all closer together. I'm glad we- That's right. I'm glad we had this time. I, I'm going to continue to have experiences. It only happens when I'm recording, really, typically. It's, you're putting that energy out these there, days. you know? I guess so. Did you, did you check behind all your mirrors? Definitely not. No. I didn't even look in a mirror. Mirrors spook me. And as we're going to learn in this episode, for good reason. BRB, I'm going to go break all my mirrors real quick. There's someone standing in my front yard. Oh, you can see them? He's, they're speaking to a neighbor. Oh, but they're- They are standing in front of my house. They're in your yard? They weren't there when I heard someone, so- Wow. Yeah, well, well, they're, yeah they're standing It's not a ghost. House. It's just a person. It's just a creepy person. So sorry. Probably going to cut half of that out. Nope. <laughs> 
Okay. So, like I said, interesting voyeur-like teenager in this inn. Like, we've got a lot to unpack. Oh, yeah. The episode opens on the Midnight Society, and Gary is, like, doing math, and he has this, like, flip-top calculator thing, and I feel like I had a bunch of little gadgets like this. I remember I had a thesaurus when I was in, like, early high school that looked like this, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. It's just this, looks like a calculator, but it has a lid. Yeah. Palm pilot looking thing. I feel like I had a ton of stuff like that, but he's doing math, and then he tells Eric that Eric is... Uh, 5,450 days, 17 hours, 15 minutes, and 37 seconds old. And he says that Eric was born on April 28th. Ooh, the day after my birthday. I was about to say, you guys almost shared a birthday. Very, very close. So that's pretty fun. Eric, best buzz. You and Eric, Taurus buddies. Please, can I write for Letterkenny? Can I please act on Letterkenny? Can I please be part of Letterkenny? Thank you. Yeah, you're cosmically linked. Okay, so yeah, they're having fun, hanging out, doing math (laughs) like you do. Love math. And of course, because Kiki is the storyteller, everybody's aggravated and they're waiting for her. Mm -hmm. Truly, I think that they just wait for the storyteller to be late so that they can talk shit. Yeah, pretty much. That's definitely what seems to happen. But as they're kind of sitting, waiting for Kiki, discussing how, where where is she? She's late, blah, blah, blah. A Polaroid camera starts to go off, like the flash starts to go off in the circle. Yeah. And I don't know who said it. But one of the guys was like, it's a flasher. It's a flasher. <laughs> and I was honestly taken aback. Yeah. I was like, did you really just yeah. make that joke? Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going there. <laughs> of course we are. And this is just like a, it's a precursor for things to come in this episode. Like, oh, God. Can, it's just, there's a lot. It really here. is. There's a lot of sexual, in, like, uh, in, a lot of like insinuation. implied, insinuated sexual. Not quite innuendo, stuff. but insinuation. No, I wouldn't even say, yeah, I wouldn't even say innuendo, but it's. Like, it would go right over your head, you know, if you were a child, which I'm sure it did when I was. For me, yeah. But I'm no longer a child, and it is very, very prominent in this episode. Uh, So they say, oh, it's a flasher, and then uh, Kiki collects all the photos that she's taking, and she explains very ominously that sometimes a camera sees more than the naked eye. Emphasis on the naked. Yeah. And she says some Native American tribes were terrified to have their photos taken for fear that it would capture their soul. And she says maybe they were right. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Who knows? Um, I know that's a big part of lore in general. I don't know where that actually comes from. I don't know which Native American tribe. I don't I don't want to speak into their culture and what right. they do or don't think or would or wouldn't have thought hundreds of years ago when cameras are being invented. However, um, we're both really big fans of the lore podcast, and it's not like he needs me to shout him out. Well. But he does this really great episode. Episode 78 is called Exposure, and it's all about the lore and history of cameras. And it's one of my favorite episodes of lore, absolutely, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about it quite a few times in yeah, our like, you, daily yeah, life. You and I have, which is like, oddly enough, that's the one episode I've heard the most. Same. It's a great episode. I've definitely heard it three or four times. I've heard it a, yeah, a bunch now. But anyway, yes. Very, very good episode. Very good episode. Very relevant for this. Love you, Aaron Mankey. Please be our friend. Oh, please. But I will try not to go too deep into the camera-specific lore because there are a lot of avenues that I could take, and it's definitely been It's been done. Discussed. Yeah. So then Kiki tosses the midnight dust, and she announces the story, which she calls the tale of the captured souls. Hmm. <laughs> It's so good. I'm encaptured. I'm enraptured. Encap- I've encaptured you. Oh. I'm captured. <laughs> Kiki has captured you, really. But we open on this red and white, like really pretty, like lake house in looking building. Is it pretty? I think it's pretty. I thought it was gaudy. Well, it's just like that 
that style of that time. I wouldn't ever want to buy a house like that or live in a house like that, but it just looks picturesque for the, for the time yeah, area yeah. and the time. It feels like an Eastern seaboard. Like sure, 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 sure. It's pretty on the lake. I guess it wouldn't be a seaboard if it's on the lake because they do specify that. Lake board. <laughs> uh, Kiki is describing the ad for this beautiful lakeside inn, and she says Danielle or Danny, our main character, and her parents thought that the ad was too good to be true, and they were right. It would be a vacation that they would never forget, which, man, sold me. I'm in. I want to know about it. I'm in. Can I stay there? This is Kiki's first story. So as we've been doing with each character's first story, uh, I did want to mention that Kiki's stories have a theme, as many of the others do, and it seems like hers usually have a bit of moral substance to them. So about like the danger or carelessness of deceitfulness or danger of history repeating itself or like not learning your lesson, mm. like that kind of a vibe, I guess. And then in earlier episodes, um, her stories were usually the ones to feature people of color right. as main characters. And another interesting pattern that they notice with her stories is they they usually involve like a tomboy. Yeah. Um, and she very much yeah, she you know, that. tries to project that image. So a lot of her stories have characters that are similar to her, which is nice. I think the way that we would all tell stories probably. Yeah. I mean, granted, there are a lot of storytellers that, you know, tell stories from different perspectives, but I feel like it's a pretty obvious place to start, you know. Yeah. Talk talk about people that are like you or that you understand their perspective. Sure. Makes sense to me. Danny is played by Maria Taylor, and she was actually born in Birmingham, Alabama. Whoa. We're both from Alabama, so it's always exciting to see somebody from Alabama doing something cool like this, especially something that was filming in Canada. Roll Eagles. Yeah, something like that. The war tides. <laughs> and she doesn't actually have many other acting credits, but she has some EP credits, which is executive producer, and she's also listed as a writer and a performer on the soundtrack for a bunch of shows, which I thought was really cool. cool. Like, you don't really see that very often. Yeah, that's um, awesome. But she's done songs for the soundtrack of shows like Grey's Anatomy, Parenthood, Bones, One Tree Hill. Wow. And also The Devil Wears Prada. Hell yeah. Not a show, a movie, but still, you know, that's pretty cool. That's big. So I guess she's like a musician, and I want to look up more about her. So highly recommend which that. Which is cool because Kiki's future is in music as well. Yeah. It's really it's interesting. It's kind of weird Not how Kiki, that happened. The actress. The actress. Yeah. Maybe Kiki. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? So that's pretty cool. That's awesome. But we see Danny and her parents arrive at this inn in a convertible. So they look like a really fun-loving, you know, <laughs> kind of chill family. Yeah. And Danny's complaining already. Like, she's not too excited about a family vacation. And her dad is like, oh, are you getting too old to hang out with us? And he's he gets he tries to get her pumped up. He's like, okay, let's do it. You know, he's being the dad on vacation. Right, yeah, he's pumped. And so she gets out and she approaches the house and she's for some reason, surprised to find that it's locked. Um, I'm not surprised by that. I feel like that's how yeah. inns and houses and, and bed and breakfasts and Airbnbs come. That's like a standard. But yeah. um, she's like, oh, no, it's locked. And I guess I should mention here also that Danny's parents are portrayed by Don Jordan and Barbara Eve Harris. Um, both of them are still working actors. Like up in both of them had credits in 2020, 2021. So they're nice. still going at it. Still at it. And they both have like a pretty extensive list of credits. Um, Barbara was in a ton of stuff, everything from private practice, ER, prison break, CSI. And she was even in The Amazing Spider-Man as Miss Ritter. Wow. And then she also played Catherine on Messiah, which was a really popular show in the last few years. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. And she played Audrey on The Wilds, which I have not seen, but again, really recent show. Yeah. Um, and Don has an equally lengthy list of credits, but he seems to do a lot of like 
niche horror horror films. Sure. And he does a lot of video game voiceovers too. Yeah, another common thread with a lot of yeah. these actors. They all do the same right. kinds of things. They do, it's which is interesting. I think it's cool. It's like this little club. I wish I was in that club. Kind of. I wonder if it's just like Canada, like having the same like agents and the same like probably all, all the same yeah, connections. and so the they same opportunities go know the same to that people. area. Yeah, that's probably true. Pretty awesome. It's probably a very practical reason why that would happen. But probably, yeah. yeah. Um. So Danny is upset that the door is locked, and then she reaches above the door to look for a key, and she happens to touch this mirror that's like suspiciously placed like on the eve of the door yeah and she jumps back and like it hurts her when she touches it and before we really have time to dissect that at all uh the door opens to reveal this really creepy looking kid uh his name is peter curlin the third and he introduces himself and um shakes her parents hands and he's speaking in this really like soft, low tone about like it's it's wonderful to have you here, and it's just very um, off-putting. This must be your lovely daughter. Um, I think we talk about that in a lot of different contexts in children's horror. It's just this like weird blase like unaffectedness that is very off-putting to a kid yeah Um, because it just doesn't match the situation something feels off putting off a real creepy vibe there peter yeah real real creepy peter is played by ethan tobman and apparently he wrote directed and designed a short film that was selected for can when he was 20 wow so he did the thing really young which is cool probably pretty soon after i mean he was granted I don't know how old he was in this, maybe I'd say 13 15, or 14, maybe. but he was like already on the path to do. Yeah, he may have been a little older. Wow. Really cool. And he actually works as a production designer now, and he has a lot of credits as well, but he does a lot of music videos. So he's done like production design for music videos for Eminem, Lady Gaga, Beyonce, wow. Ariana Grande. And my personal favorite, he's done um, production design for Taylor Swift music videos, The Man and Cardigan. I was going to guess. Taylor Swift. Yeah, and they're both really recent too. Wow. So I thought that was pretty pretty cool. And he apparently also did production design for several episodes of the Mosquito Coast, which I haven't seen yet, but I keep hearing about, so I want to watch. Nice. So he's still working production designer, which so he's is crushing it. Pretty huh? cool. Yeah, very popular apparently in a lot of music circles. Nice. Um, so yeah, very cool. I'd like to see what he looks like now. I didn't look up any photos, but just to see a photo of him without all this makeup would be funny right so yeah he uh introduces himself and then he is acting really creepy and he's like and this must be your lovely daughter danielle let me show you your rooms i think you'll find them very cozy just the creepiest just like the way that he's talking it's just creepy yeah and so then he shows uh doug and sally to their room and danny notices that there are all these mirrors on the walls peter explains real casual he's like yeah my family's been collecting them for years Danny's like, oh, they sure must like to look at themselves, which is funny to me. Um, Because, yeah, why else would you want a dozen mirrors in your house? That's a lot. Yeah. Especially in one room, you know, just all right together. Then (laughs) we get this shot of Doug, Danny's dad, just like collapsing back on the bed as they're discussing the mirrors. And he looks up and there's a mirror (laughs) on the ceiling above the bed. (sighs) And Doug says, I don't know. I kind of like him. Yeah. Wow. And then the joke just hangs there. Nobody comments on it. We just his wife doesn't get comment to enjoy on it. this moment. We just sit here in the moment for just a second. I kinda like him. 
no commentary whatsoever. It's just he says that, and then there's this silence for you to just examine and reflect on why yeah. he likes these mirrors above the bed. Yeah. That was a lot. That I feel like this is probably the most sexual or this the most implication that was an actual that we've had. maybe innuendo, maybe. Maybe. Potentially. I don't know if in you would call it innuendo. In your window. In your mirror. Uh-huh. I don't know. What? I don't know what you would I don't really know. call that. But it's st- I was another insinuation. shocked to see it as an adult. I don't think I would have thought anything of it, you know, watching it as a kid. But Of course not. You're not thinking, yeah, oh yeah, sex. Got it. Right. Yeah, never what would have been in my Yeah brain why would it be there <laughs> i don't like it it's not like a honeymoon suite i mean come no. on like, what's happening like it's very odd to have a mirror placed above the bed i feel like that doesn't happen in maybe like you know vegas hotels like that's a common yeah. occurrence in vegas hotels not in a quaint bed and breakfast in like maine right you know or it's like in like wherever yeah pretty uh pretty dark <laughs> pretty dark don't see it much pretty but, heavy. but the undertones of that were a little too much for me <laughs> to be like okay well this is a kid show. Yeah. But then Danny touch, reaches up to touch one of the mirrors and she jumps back in pain again. And Peter apologizes and he says something about the wiring being quite old. Yeah. And Danny's confused and I'm confused. And, and I'm confused. He, she goes, in the mirror? Which that was my exact question. What do you mean? And then she scolds him for calling her Danielle. And at this point, I can only assume that that's going to happen like 30 more times because this is DJ Mikhail's very favorite type of joke. Yes. Don't call me Danielle. I hate that. He does this as often as he possibly can. Yes. And I was right. It does come up many more times. So many, be prepared. Too many times. Be on the lookout. So the family then like follows Peter into Danny's room. And it's this really tiny like uh, sloping ceiling room with floral wallpaper and pink ruffles. Uh, and Peter's moving this like standing mirror around the room while he's talking to them. And Danny's parents ask Peter where his parents are. Oh, they're not here. Actually, they're off on a cruise. I'll check you in. They're confused. They're like, so you're here all alone? You're here all alone? Not anymore. And he like saunters past them and out the door and down the stairs. And we get to see a shot of him. There's another mirror in the hallway. And we watch him go down the hallway in the mirror. And after that scene, the only thing in my head was, don't people usually check into a hotel before they go up to their room? I think he just goes, you're here. Great. Here you are. Uh, and after he leaves, the family is talking amongst themselves and they're like, the dad calls him a strange little guy. And Danny says he's totally weird. And I'm like, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Then we cut to this like peaceful shot of the lake. It's really pretty. And this really green like, grassy yard that surrounds the inn where they are really picturesque and pretty. And Danny and her dad are tossing a ball back and forth. You've got quite an arm there, Danielle. Thanks. Don't call me Danielle. As predicted, Danny corrects Peter on her name again. So that's the second time. Count is at two now. And Doug invites Peter to like join them playing ball. And Peter says that he's not really a sportsman. But Doug co- like coaxes him and he joins them. Also sportsman. I know. Yeah, sportsman. What an antiquated phrase. Athlete. Athlete would have been more current, but he yeah. says sportsman. But that plays in. It does. Um... At this point, Sally comes out on the porch with her Polaroid camera, and she wants to get everybody to smile for a picture. As she takes the picture, okay, smile, everybody. No. Very dramatically, Peter recoils like it hurts him, and Doug and Danny run over, and he says, "Oh, nothing's wrong. I'm fine. How about I just take a photo of you guys?" So he goes up on the porch and he takes a picture of the family, and he pulls the photo out of the camera, and we get this like really ominous organ music. 
and a very maniacal chuckle from Peter. <laughs> and he holds up the photo and just like looks at it like, yeah, I got a good one. <laughs> he takes a long time to do this. And of course, the family doesn't notice at all that he's being totally weird with their photo. Like, yeah, it's like that's a, it's a Polaroid camera. So like, yeah. what's the whole point of taking the picture if he's just going to like walk off with it? Yeah, he's like, he's going to keep it now. Like uh, this will come in handy later. Mm. Yeah, like, you're such a weirdo. Me in my bed mirror. Yep. Uh, yep. So speaking of that, um, yeah, later inside, like Danny comes out from a room, the bathroom, I don't know, and she hears this thumping sound oh, behind a closed door at the end of the hall. And so she walks down the hall and opens the door and this baseball rolls out to her feet. She opens the door and she sees that it's a staircase. And so she climbs up the staircase, kind of calling out, and she enters this like attic room, which I immediately assume is Peter's room. And there are all these like framed photos around the room and she picks one up to like look closer at it. And as she's looking at the photo, Peter emerges from a door, another door behind her. I didn't mean to startle you. You didn't. I mean, um, this your wall. And he just ignores her and he's like, what do you think of my room? And then she's like asking about whether he really lives there all summer by himself or he's been living there all summer by himself. Yeah. And he just says, possibly longer. <laughs> and it's like, okay, dude, you clearly have a lot going on. You got a lot to say that you're not saying probably. Just interesting, odd interaction. Yeah, he's a very strange guy. <laughs> I, I, I can't do justice to his voice, but it's weird. Obviously on purpose. Parents? I do what I want when I want. It's like a dream come true. Cool. What do you do for fun? What do you want to do? It's very creepy. Yeah. So Peter explains, he's like, I, I do what I want when I want. And he like relaxes back on the bed, you know, all casual. Well, it's like if you're, so... if you're hanging out in your room and you have a girl in your room. Yeah. And then you recline on the bed. Yeah. That's another insinuation. It is. Fully. It's a bit inappropriate, Peter. I th I agree. Uh, I agree. And he's just like laying back watching her like walk around the room. Like he's just yeah. kind of like, hmm, a girl's in my room. Mm. Hmm. I, I have a note. That he's watching her hungrily. Like, yeah. he's watching her in a very predatory way. Yes, he is. Which is so uncomfortable. Yes. Well, he continues to be a creep, like, with his dialogue, too. Like, right. He, yeah, it doesn't change. Yeah. God. But he, so he leans weird. back on, literally, he leans back on the bed and he's like, so what do you want to do? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she, for whatever reason, looks up and she notices this, like, iron bar above her. And so she jumps up and starts doing these, like, overhanded pull-ups. Yeah. Which, I mean, number one, impressive. Yeah. Number two, why? <laughs> so what do you want to do? Um, well, I'm a sportsman, I guess, so I think yeah, I'll I do some pull-ups. I guess I'm going to do some pull-ups. That sounds fun. And, and so Peter. So Peter, Ugh. he goes... I always admire a girl with great physical strength. I always admire a girl with great physical strength. And it's like, are you going to eat her? Like, what are you going to do God. with this girl? It just feels way too sexual. Like, way far more than it should. This is an overtly sexual episode. It really, yeah. really is. Of all of them, <laughs> I think this is definitely the most... I think I've said that already, but just it's... It's so off-putting when you've been watching all these other episodes and there's really not a ton of that type of content. Yeah. Um, and you're also, like us, you know, used to watching things today and watching things that are not meant for children. And obviously it's a commonplace thing. Yeah. But you kind of, like, forget about it when you watch a kid's show for a little while. Yeah. And so it's really startling when it comes into play in a kid's show. Like, it's just very... Very odd. Very odd indeed. But Danny gets down from the pull-up bar and then she picks up another photo and she asks Peter if it's 
of him. And then she's like, oh, wait, it says 1920. And then Peter's like, oh, it's my grandfather. And he looked a lot like me. And we're assuming, okay, maybe, you know, Peter Curlin the first. Well, there was a, yeah, there was an old guy in the picture and there was the kid that looked like Peter. Right. So it's his grandfather. And we don't know, you know, it's from 1920. Um, But sorry, I'm hearing sounds again. I heard that too. You did? Yeah. It's got to be the neighbor. I don't see anybody right now, but it's got to be the neighbor. Creepy. It just doesn't sound like it's outside is what creeps me out about it. I can mow your yard for free. <laughs> Yikes. I have another interaction with that neighbor. I'll have to tell you. Please do. Offline. Danny's then like walking around his room and she directs her attention to the setup near the window. And there are all these like dead flowers and plants and they're connected to something that looks kind of like a battery. Mm-hmm. And he says that it's an experiment in energy transference. Sure. <laughs> and I'm like, I want one of those. That looks cool. Nerd. <laughs> I know. I'm like, dude, that looks really fun. And she comments that he's killing the roses because the roses are dead. And he says, well, the geraniums are doing very well. It's just natural selection. And I'm like, it's natural selection with a little help. The roses really smell like poo-poo anyway. (laughs) Good, good reference. Good job. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. So Danny goes to touch one of the flowers and Peter like breaks this monotone voice to be like, don't do that. And then he runs over and he literally like slaps her hand very violently away. And I'm just like, oh, all these vibes are just weird. Um, But he says that she'll ruin the experiment. And then he just starts staring at her face, just like really close, getting up close to her face and staring at her like a total creepazoid. A real wacko. Then we notice that there's this like larger than life zit on her face. Obviously, this is going to play in. It's just very prominent and you're meant to that's all you're meant to see, I guess, in this moment. And then he comments and says, I think you're breaking out. And so she runs away. I think you're breaking out. Yeah. Ugh, I don't want anybody to comment on the fact that I'm breaking yeah. out. I don't want anybody to be that close to my face. No. And I don't want anybody to talk to me like he's talking to her. No. It's just too much. No. So Danny runs to, like, inspect her face in the bathroom mirror. We see Peter is, like, pruning the dead roses. And at his desk or at this windowsill, whatever... There's this literal big red button, and he presses it, and suddenly all these dials and machines like fold out from the ceiling straight up and from the floor, and it reveals this like 90s high tech, almost control room looking thing. Yeah. Um, and of course we're getting this like sci-fi spacey music. Very sci-fi. One of the most important plot points. We see this like CCTV feed. You can tell that the mirrors are the cameras or operating as cameras because everyone, you can see everyone. You can see yeah. Doug and Sally and Danny um, in the hotel. Gross. Ugh. Um, gross. Like, that just so ugh, freaks me out. That is a really, like, off-putting realization to come to. I mean, yeah, I have that fear in my house now. Same. Hotels especially. I, st- I already looked Oh, yeah. Around. Hotels for sure. Mm. I mean, I'm like looking for wires. Yeah, I like, almost did like a whole true crime. I didn't end up doing it, but like an, a whole true crime dive into like voyeuristic hotels because there are a lot of movies and fiction yeah. like based on the idea, but it has happened as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. I watched a whole documentary one time on this guy yeah, who, same. who did a- Same. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I would think it was called The Voyeur. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's people crazy. People go out of their way. People do it. Yeah. 
And I mean, I'm not trying to shame anybody unless it's done without consent, which is a big, big it's, problem. Voyeurism is done without consent. That's the definition. Of I guess voyeurism. that's probably the definition. I guess so. It's always, without but some people consent. like to be watched. So it's like, yeah, what I'm saying is, but that's, that's your that's, business. No, that makes you an exhibitionist. Okay. Yeah, voyeurism is, is watching people who don't know you're watching. Uh, which is just, I can't understand. It's a peeping Tom. Right. Yeah. Just the consensual thing just gets me with any act of any kind. If any, <laughs> It must be consensual for me to be. It doesn't matter what board. it is. If it's consensual, do it. Sure. But if it's not consensual, don't do That's it. That's really it. That's all I'm trying to say. I'm going really roundabout to it. but It's wrong. It's gross. Yes. It's dirty. Don't do it. Thank you. Don't do it. That, that was the PSA we all needed. Even the government point. can't listen to you <laughs> without your consent. Yeah, technically. Although no. they do it anyway. Yeah. But we won't get into that. I'm the biggest warrior of all. Big brother. Mm. Oh, brother. Great show. Horrible concept. Horrible show. Great concept. <laughs> the mirrors, obviously, like I said, are acting as cameras. And he presses some more buttons and all these color codes come up on the monitor. And he presses another button on the wall. And this, like, huge cylindrical, like, tube thing comes down descending from the ceiling. And then he turns up this dial and he gets inside and shuts the door. So that's real. Gets in a big tube. Sci-fi, creepy. Reminds me of the uh, the big the Casper capsule. What's that? That they have to get in for Casper. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah. I thought you said Asper. You know? No. Yeah, the Asper <laughs> capsule. I was real convenient. Yeah, it's one yeah. of those, you know, suppositories. Oh my god. You got them. Anyway. Anyway. I'm about to dive into like the most exciting thing that I found in my research or one of them. I thought it was really exciting and fun, but I'm oh, already. Oh, yeah. I, I debated when and how to introduce this because it plays into a lot of the episode, but I kind of want you to have it in mind when you hear about the rest of the episode because it all connects in a weird way. But as mentioned, so Peter's last name, his family name is Curlin, K-I-R-L-A-N, Curlin. Okay. I found something that I think is just way too spot on to be coincidence. I think DJ fully intended to do this and mad props to him because that means he really, like you said, he did on the last episode, like he did his research. Yeah. And it's really cool. Have you ever heard of something called Curlian photography? No, I don't think so. Curlian, K-I-R-L-I-A-N. So Curlin is their name, but Curlian photography. So, there was this electrical engineer in Russia named Simeon or Simon Curlian, and he and his wife, in 1939, they discovered this way to, uh, taking photos in the 30s was different, but it's basically aura photography. So, this photographic plate is connected to, like, a high-voltage source, and the image on the photographic plate shows this, like, electrographic aura around whatever the subject is that you're taking a picture of. Okay. It's like other names, electrography, electrophotography, bioelectrography, electrography. And in Russian literature, they actually call it curlianography. Wow. Okay. But he believed, supposedly, that the image that were created by this type of photography depict this energy field or aura around living things. And he and his wife were, like, spokespeople for it, essentially. And they were convinced that these images, like, showed this life force, like your soul. Yeah. Or your energy field that reflected, like, your physical and emotional state. Um, and they thought that you could use these photographs. Like, they thought they were basically discovering something amazing. Like, they were right. able to photograph a soul or, like, a, the state of being of a person, essentially. Wow. And they thought that those images could be used to, like, diagnose illnesses and... Um, like be used in medicine. Interesting. And in 1961, they published 
um, an article all about it in the Russian Journal of Scientific and Applied Photography. And a lot of his claims were embraced by like people that were like doing energy treatments and like energy health practitioners hmm. at the time. And so all of this like high tech electronic equipment is like super reminiscent, reminiscent of everything that you read about when you look into Curlian photography. It's just like all the transferring of energy and the way that they connect things. And there was literally even like one of the more famous experiments that they did in Curlian photography was they were photographing a leaf and they were trying to prove that things that have a life force create this aura and things that are dead don't, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so they were photographing it in different states of withering or dying. And the aura would appear when it was like a healthy living plant. And if they tore off a piece and they took photograph again, the aura would not appear where the piece was gone. Or if they photographed a leaf that was dying, there wouldn't be as strong of an aura. Interesting. So they, they really felt like they'd figured something out with all of this. And, most scientists, from what I researched and, and looked at, most scientists agree that, you know, it's not paranormal and they don't think it's your soul. I think it's pretty cool and Maybe I don't know. Maybe they're right. Um, but obviously with any kind of biological uh, system like a leaf or plant, there's going to be chemistry, chemicals, water content, all these things. Yeah. And so they think that it's just something in the biology. There's a lot more like in-depth, detailed explanations of it, but something in your biology that's causing these reactions in the chemistry that cause you to glow or to have that like electro field. That is interesting. But literally it's called Curlian photography and they named this guy last name is, yeah. Peter Curlin. So I'm like, this that's is on gotta purpose. be, that's too yeah. much of a coincidence it's just to too, not be like spot It's on. too close. So props to DJ. Good job, DJ. I could see him like go, wow, you mean I'm greenlit? Oh shit. Um, <laughs> let me research a bunch of occult lore right? and we'll plan a season. I don't know. I think it's cool. The rule was like, you know, find stories to base on like scientific li- literature or and yeah. And so he's literature, like, this is yeah. a really cool scientific uh, discovery in Russia in this, mm-hmm. you know, this decade. And- well, it's been used. There were some notes about how it's been used in pop culture and uh, actually one of the more famous usages David Bowie used it for one of his album covers. Like he used Curly mm, in photography to get I believe that. the certain effects and he would take cocaine and then photograph himself and different yeah. things and objects and like use that, end up using that for like a yeah. an album cover. God bless you, David Bowie. Yeah. Oh, love David Bowie. Mm. But it's all very much, it's like has the scientific roots, but it also has the paranormal roots if you want to believe that it's there. Yes. Very cool. Yes. I just thought it was really cool. Very and just cool. the fact that they went the extra step to have the this plant experiment going on and energy transference and like that's awesome as you as we go into more of the episode you'll see more and more how it works this is like so straight up a twilight zone episode yes he's just nailing it with that whole like twilight zone for children thing exactly he's just crushing it they're just all these interesting and that totally would have like gone over my head if i hadn't looked it up but i'm really glad that i did same yeah i didn't catch that really dope that's awesome nice uh yeah so back in the story doug her dad has just finished working out and so he's like examining himself in the mirror after working out and then he looks down and sees that his watch is like going crazy the hands like spinning around then we see some of these like numerical readouts on peter's machines and we pan up to his like super creepy face that's peering out of this like window cut out at the top of the the cylinder the tube thing the casper thing (laughs) the asper and of course the asper and then, obviously, we have to have another, like, maniacal laugh that, like, builds so up. So awkward. 
And then after this commercial break, obvious commercial break, yeah. uh, we go back to the Midnight Society like we do. And Kiki is like laying out all the Polaroids that she's taken of the group on the sand by the fire. Of course, they're all theorizing and questioning like usual. Uh, Gary makes the astute observation that there, that there are mirrors in the cylinder. And I liked that he also called it a cylinder because I had like already typed that to describe it. And that's how he named he called it. And I was like, yeah, that's what it is. Well, how else do you, My boy. How else do you describe it? And Kiki's like, yeah, exactly. Just like in the rest of the house. And then she holds up this hand mirror for effect or like for reference, I guess, in case they forgot what a mirror looks like. <laughs> and um, we're, we're taken back into the inn where Doug and Danny and Peter are playing baseball. And I thought you would love it because there are more. More baseball. Uh, it's not just a baseball reference. It's actual, actual baseball. Actual baseball. Yes. Then Peter um, basically hits a home run, just like smashes it and it's gone. Ball disappears. <laughs> And Doug's like, oh, yeah, wow, okay, well done. Like, this kid that wasn't much of a sportsman the other day is really shining nice now. Nice hit, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Doug is then, like, kind of complaining that he feels woozy and he wants to tap out. And he's like, oh, it must be the heat. And Danny is like, I would be more concerned about my father, I think. But Danny's kind of annoyed and unhappy. She just wants him to play with her. Yeah. And she starts to go get the ball, but Peter stops her and he says, no, I'll get it, I'll get it. Wait, I'll get it. Don't worry, guys. No, I said I'll get it. And so Danny goes inside and Sally's there, like, dozing on the couch. She's looking at a book or magazine or something, but she's about to pass out, like, super tired looking. Yeah. And Danny asks to take, like, if her mom will take her swimming, and Sally says that she's too tired. And then Danny's like, well, Dad says he's too tired, too. Uh, Sally notices that Danny, like, her skin has gotten worse like her face is breaking out it's really off-putting that happens so quickly you know it's like ugh, that is never a good sign yeah of anything but for whatever reason she's breaking out again so she goes to the bathroom to inspect and when she's looking in the mirror we see peter who's watching her on his cctv and again uh, danny touches the mirror and she gets frustrated when it shocks her and so she slams them like it's one of the mirrors like on the front of a medicine cabinet when it shocks her, she slams the cabinet, and this causes the mirror to shatter, and the camera goes all like wonky on Peter's end. Yeah. And so at the you know the noise, Doug comes in to investigate, and he sees that the all this electronic equipment is visible behind the where the mirror was, and Danny's like something's really wrong here, and then he says the same thing Peter said earlier, and he's like oh it's just the old wiring. Yeah. And again, she says in a mirror. So twisted, yeah. really twisted. It's in the bathroom mirror. Like, you can see that there's a camera electronics back there, like, totally being watched and spied on. God, it's so creepy. It's really creepy. And then, like, to be in all the personal spaces and in the bathroom and everything is just, like, a lot. Yeah. But instead of, like, getting his family the heck out of this place that's clearly twisted, Doug tells her, just clean up the glass. And he's like, oh, I'm going to take a nap. Like, he's all tired. So he totally gaslights her there, too. He's like, oh, it's fine, but no big deal. When in reality, it's a very big deal. And I feel like if anybody that I know, particularly any father, saw something like that in the bathroom of any place, uh, yeah. like, we'd be out of there. Just yeah. doesn't make sense. It's wild. But, of course, Danny is taking out for herself because yeah. she has to. And so she tosses the glass of water on the electronics, and then there's all these sparks fly. And we see Peter... Um, he comes out of the cylinder and he's like coughing and sputtering. There's all this smoke, which I don't know how it was like that directly connected, but yeah. like, okay, it's just making a point, I guess. It's a spiritual connection. 
whatever. Exactly. And speaking of spiritual connections, do you know why it's supposedly bad luck to break a mirror? I know I've heard something, but I don't remember at the moment. (laughs) Exactly. You probably do. And we probably have all heard it at some point, but like it just, I don't know. It's cool to like see it all laid out. Yeah. Like way back in the days of ancient Greece, they believed that like your reflection on the surface of a pool of water, like a pond, um, they believed that that was your soul that was reflected in it. Wow. And there were like actual mirrors, they think, made out of obsidian, like polished obsidian found in Turkey. Like lots of cultures have been making, creating mirrors. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the lore that we like in our modern superstition have from about mirrors comes from like the Romans. They would manufacture mirrors out of like polished metal and they believed that their gods watched you through the mirrors. They thought it was like God's way of watching you. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Yeah. Um, Not only was it like considered really disrespectful to break a mirror because you're like breaking connection with the gods. Yeah. They thought that that would compel the gods to like rain down bad luck on you. And the reason that they say like... You hear it in Superstition by Stevie Wonder. You hear it all over the place all the Hmm. time. How mirrors, like breaking a mirror is seven years of bad luck. The reason that it's said that it's seven years of bad luck is because in Roman culture, they believed that your soul and your body renewed itself every seven years. Hmm. And they believed that like if you had incurred some kind of curse or bad luck, that it would be over after seven years. Like they believed that health issues would resolve themselves after seven years. Interesting. Like they just thought that your whole self was renewed every seven years. So yeah, you'd be renewed. Wow. I didn't know that. No. Right. So that's why it's seven year long curse because at the end of seven years, you're basically a new person and you're no longer cursed. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. And then there are other, like, I didn't actually realize this. I've heard these things, but never really like looked into them. I can't really speak to like modern Judaism, but in Judaism, if someone dies, I have heard that there's a tradition where you cover all the mirrors in their house, like wherever the mourning is taking place. Yeah. And a lot of modern, like I tried to look on some modern like sites about Judaism. And most of those said that like this practice is basically to prevent you from focusing on yourself while you're supposed to be mourning the deceased person. Yeah. So it's to prevent you like your appearance isn't supposed to be important at the moment. But there are also sources that say like the mirrors were covered to prevent the spirit of the body from getting trapped and like not being able to reach the afterlife. Yeah. Wow. So real heavy, like better cover the mirrors better cover or else mirrors. you might not make it. So that's wow. pretty intense. And I mean, for them to still do it today, it would make sense to me. I can't say for certain, um, but it would make sense to me that it had roots in something like that. That was very much like a belief mm-hmm. that was core to their like practice of religion. It's cool. And I was lamenting not doing a deep dive into mirror lore. Yeah, you did. When we covered The Lonely Ghost, which is, you know, we were talking about, you were like, well, it's the universe working in your favor because this episode's all about mirrors. Yeah. That ties directly into that episode too with the girl's spirit being trapped in the mirror in in her bedroom. Yeah, it's stuck. And she didn't, you know, she couldn't make it out. She couldn't leave. So she was just stuck there. So that, I wonder if that wasn't a bit of lore that DJ discovered early i'm sure it seems like he knew a lot of this stuff he's just using it over and over yeah yeah that's amazing really interesting that's very very cool i love this stuff there are a lot of like there are some positive (laughs) associations with mirrors um there's some culture like chinese cultures um believe that like mirrors are talismans to ward off evil and like some i don't know that it's chinese cultures the place that i was reading didn't specify but apparently some cultures will like bury their dead with mirrors Hmm. um to stop 
the spirit from like rising from the grave. Apparently it like ties it there. Interesting. And my favorite like mirror superstition that I found, I again couldn't find what culture this is tied to, but I would love to know. Supposedly, like it's a they call it a wives' tale. Hmm. But if a couple like first sees each other, like if you notice the other person in their reflection through a mirror, then you're supposed to be destined for like a long, happy, like blessed relationship. I feel like I've seen that in things before where they yeah. see somebody in a reflection. It's supposed to be good. That must be that lore. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. So it's not all bad where it comes to mirrors, but there is a lot of bad, <laughs> bad juju going on. Everything can be good or bad depending on how you use it. Exactly. And me personally, I won't, I don't like to have a mirror that I can see from my bed. I have a mirror, like a full length mirror in my bedroom that I have angled specifically to where I cannot see my reflection if I'm in my bed, only because if I'm laying there at night, it just creeps me out. Yeah. I would have the same thing, except that I have the same kind of like full length mirror on my door. Yeah. That door that leads to right across from my HVAC. Yeah. So it's still there. I never took it down. I thought about it when I moved in, but I left it. Man. And so I can, I often look at like see myself and I'm like, Mm. hmm. Yeah. Something about that in the night. I don't have, like, I try not to position mirrors in my house where if I have to like get up in the night, I try, yeah, I try not to look. Yeah. Just because I don't know what I'm going to see. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Mirrors. Mirrors have always been scary. Mirror fun. Oh, mirrors. So we go back to Danny, who is suddenly in the woods, I guess, either looking for the ball or like looking for why Peter didn't want her to go in the woods or something. It's not really explained. Yeah, she's just like taking a walk. Yeah. yeah. Um, But she wanders into the woods and we see another graveyard because that's their favorite spooky trope is to put a graveyard in the middle of an episode because graveyards are scary. Dead people. And in the woods, like death. Oh, no. Got to. And Danny reads off the first tombstone and it says Peter Curlin III, born in 1907. And it has no death date. And she takes a really long time with some exposition talking to herself to explain that yeah. there is no death date. And what does that mean? Gasp. I guess he's still alive. He didn't die. And then this, this actually did creep me out. We see this other shot of these, like, they look like more fresh graves, like newer where the dirt is piled up like a mound. Mm -hmm. And there are these, as if you're in a garden and you have a stake that describes what type of plants are in the garden. There are these stakes, like one looks like a, a man, like a boy, one looks like a woman, one looks like a dog. And these stakes all have like chalk looking like tally marks on them. Yeah. And something about that visual, I don't know what it was. It just felt very like occult and yeah. it just freaked me out. I don't know. I didn't like the look of it. I didn't like the feel. That but it's pretty, just off putting. Yeah. If I thought of that, I'd be I'd be proud of myself for sure. Yeah, because it's it's scary. Spooky. It's not so scary that you can't put it in a kid's show, but it's scary enough to like give you pause. Yeah. Which I guess is kind of the idea with a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so Danny ends up back at the inn and she's wearing these gardening gloves and she's taking mirrors off the walls in her parents' room because she now knows or can tell that the mirrors are obviously rigged. There's something bad. Um, and her mom comes in to stop her, like talking about how her imagination's out of control. And her mom has gray hair, like straight up her mom has grayed in this time. Yeah. And then Doug comes in and joins them and he looks like he's leaned over, his like his back's hurting him and he's all old and frail and gray too. He attempts to, like, take the mirror from her and hang it back up again. And he says that the country air must be making him lightheaded. And, I mean, in everything I've ever seen and read ever is that you're yeah. supposed to go to the fresh country air when you're sick. To and, like, every better. tuberculosis ward and, like, every yeah every bit of lore says that, you know, that's going to have the opposite effect. Right. So Danny's, like, begging them to leave. And so they both just are like, oh, no, I'm too tired. And they go back to the bed and, like, fall back. To yeah, like, lie down together. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they like lay back. So Peter, or sorry, Danny marches upstairs and she's looking for Peter. 
and then she notices this button that's on on his window or on his desk or wherever. So of course she presses it and the room transforms for her now and she sees all the gadgets and the CCTV and then she sees this old man that like we don't recognize that's in mm. in one of the rooms like in the living room area kind of. So she rushes back downstairs to see who it is. And I will note now that oops, the old man is played by um, a Canadian actor named Griffith Brewer. And he reappears in Are You Afraid of the Dark a few times. Um, he plays the phone company manager in The Tale of the Phone Police. He plays Captain Abraham Winchester in The Tale of the Water Demons. And then his last appearance is apparently like uncredited, but he also played old Nathaniel in uh, one of the revival episodes of The Tale of the Forever Game. Okay. But he actually passed away in 2011. Wow. So sad. Thanks, Griffith, for your your contribution. So Danny marches downstairs trying to figure everything out. And she sees that her like now fully elderly parents are sitting in the living room and they're having tea and like talking with someone who's facing away from her in this like wing back chair. Mm-hmm. And then this is meant to be the big reveal of the episode. The big like, oh, no, done, done, done. Peter leans around to look at her from behind the wingback chair and he's like, would you like some tea, Danielle? <laughs> and so Danny runs away and she goes back to the graveyard, counts the tally marks, and she finds that there are 21 men, 15 women, 34 kids, and 10 dogs tallied up in this graveyard. Of course, Peter does his patented sneaking up behind her thing and he's frustrated that she's found their plot and I'm... Very sorry, Maria, but I'm very unimpressed with Danny's acting in the moment. <laughs> she's like, who are you? What are you doing to us? All the questions that the heroine asks when faced with the villain. Yeah. And Peter says that she was right and that it was all done with the mirrors and she'd managed to avoid them, which I don't feel like she did quite avoid them. So that was kind of odd. Yeah. Um, but he explains after tonight, she'll be alone just like he is and that she can stay at the inn with him if she wants to and that they can be friends. Yeah. Um, sounds so predatory. He's really implying like, stay with me, my female companion. Stay with me. Right. Yeah. He says friends, but I don't think he means friends. You're such a strong woman. Ugh. Good for breeding. A physically f- fit, capable young woman. Exactly. Yikes. And then he he tells her that her parents will soon be checking out. Um, He says that they've entered the final phase and that it won't be long now. You leave my parents alone. Stay with me, Danielle. We can be young. Forever. You're crazy. No. I'm very, very smart. But if she won't join him, then he'll have to use her too. And he like jumps toward her. You know, I don't know exactly what he was going to do in that moment. Um, But he reaches out for her. And at the same moment, she pulls the camera out from her backpack and she snaps a picture in his face. And so then there's the stumbling, like dramatic stumbling away and more like dramatic organ music. Yeah. And she runs away and he calls out after her like it's too late. She doesn't have any time. And then we see a shot of the mirror that's like facing her parents' bed. And it's these two pairs of old people feet. So her parents are just laying in bed, super old. (laughs) And she comes back to tell them once again. I feel like at this point, she's really been hammering at home back and forth, coming to tell them that there's a problem and they're not listening. Sure. But she's telling them that the mirrors are making them old and they blow her off again. And she goes to grab a mirror from her room. And we see like the tubes that are in Peter's room and they're all getting more full at this point. So presumably like her parents are about to be gone and she confronts peter with the mirror and she asks him how old he really is like is he 80 is he 90 he says that he's offering her eternal youth Mm -hmm. 
and she says like you're no you're a twisted old man and i fully agree with you danny um twisted yeah. old man you're a twisted old pedophile is what you yeah, are yeah pedophile and he says that he's he's a scientist and she's like no you're a monster and she closes him up inside the cylinder and it looks like she locks it from the outside mm-hmm. and he's like oh you don't understand like just so ugh. and she's like i understand you're trying to take my parents away and so she finds the dial <laughs> she gets her like parting line she goes with the wrong girl, Petey boy. No, no. And don't call me Danielle. Which he has many times now. Don't call me Danielle. Of course, just classic DJ. It's her big, like, punchline. Yeah, big punchline. Don't call me Danielle. Don't call me Shirley. So all of the readouts, like, go crazy. The tubes are fluctuating. And then Peter, like, collapses out of the capsule. And so I guess it wasn't actually locked. I don't know. Don't know exactly why he didn't just get out. Yeah, he, like, couldn't get out. And then he just did uh, yeah if he really didn't want it to do whatever it did like turn down and suck out his soul if i shut the door i can open it but if you shut it (laughs) i cannot no if you shut it i can open it but just not as quickly yeah i guess i'm just gonna complain first right yeah so danny runs down to her parents room again and wakes them up from their nap um and they're back in their youthful bodies honestly they're probably like in their 30s yeah so she tries to, like, explain to them how she just saved the day and saved them, and they're not hearing it. But Doug, he's, like, feeling great, feeling himself again, and he's like, we should take a trip uh, to anywhere that's far away from here. And I'm like, you're on a trip. You're going to yeah, take a trip from a trip? Like, why don't you just go home, you know? Yeah, you're on a vacation. You're just going to take another <laughs> trip. I don't get it. I yeah, don't get it. I thought that was an interesting way to put that. Yeah, me too. But now everything's over, and Danny loads up the car. She put her backpack in, baseball bat, frisbee, all the essentials. and. She hears, like, this voice, this old man calling to her from the doorway, like, of the inn. And she looks back, and it's Peter, like, old man Peter. And he's, like, this is, like, his voice here is very scary. Griffith, your voice was scary, man. You did a good job, because this was unsettling. Yeah. But Peter tells her... Goodbye, Danny. I'm going out back now to join my family. It's been far too long. Mm. And it's like, ugh, you're going to go die, like go out back, meaning go to the graveyard. Like that's a lot. It's very Southern Gothic. Very Southern Gothic. And he tells her to enjoy her youth while she can. Mm. Like we said, we've both always been terrified of growing up and always been terrified of like wasting our youth. Yes. And I feel like this messaging is very like not subtle, you know. Right. Like, hey, kids, like reminder that you're a kid. But I mean. It's hard to know that when you're a kid. It's hard to... Well, that's what they say, you know, the old adage. Yeah, youth is wasted on the young. The young, yeah. And Kiki explains that Danny never told her parents the true story about Peter. They were safe, and Peter wasn't going to hurt anybody ever again, and that was what mattered. Yeah. And Kiki says that sometimes pictures do tell the truth, whether you like it or not. My own man. So she tells the Midnight Society, like, she has her camera, and she's like, hey, guys, I've got one shot left, which I laughed because I feel like there are a lot of kids today that wouldn't know what that meant. Right. And so... When they, the picture snaps, the last thing we see, as if it's captured them, we just see the, the photo of the group sitting. Yeah. That's like a relic now. Like, if that photo exists anywhere in, like, a prop house or hopefully somebody on the cast got to take it. Somebody has it. DJ McHale or somebody. Yeah. Somewhere. I hope. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So, some of my, like, final reflections, I guess. Obviously, there was a lot of interesting lore around this episode. And I think it's cool that they, like, work to combine this, like, sci-fi with this real-life science yeah. discovery-type vibe, paranormal 
you know, investigative sort of thing, but also all these like theories about spirituality and paranormal mirrors and souls and aging. Like they just try to do a lot with it. Yeah, there was a lot to it. I liked it. But it all worked. And I'm like always good with like an ominous warning of of any kind, that spooky thing that leaves you like thinking or you linger on at the end. Yeah. And I think kids should enjoy their youth. <laughs> But like you said, youth is waste on the young, and you don't know that until it's too late. Absolutely. As the great Andy Barnard once said, I wish you could know the good old days while you were still in them. Yeah, man. Woof. Talk about a tearjerker. Yeah. And speaking of woof, um, I can't help but like look back at on the whole and realize, you know, he's sucking the souls from all these people and like certain these 21 men, 25 women, whatever, 34 children. But 10 dogs. Hey. Like, the children watching the show are meant to believe that he's killed 10 dogs as well. Yeah. That's a, that's what just, are you going to do when you can't get people to come stay in the I guess winter months? I mean. You're just killing stray dogs? Like, just, what's going on you here? just find whatever energy source you can get. I guess. <laughs> I don't know, but I don't like it. I'm surprised there weren't like seven cats. I know. Or yeah, like why was it 487 just cats. <laughs> <laughs> dogs were the only thing that worked, I guess. Maybe. But I don't know. Just seeing those counts and realizing that those are real people, I feel like that's pretty dark. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Those numbers. It's pretty heavy. That's when you pretty think about dark. it. Yeah. Man. So as far as like one out of 10, how scary, scary was it? Yeah. You tell me. Okay. It took a lot for me to figure out how I wanted to rate it because like I'm conferring with my inner child. I'm trying to figure out, am I scared of it or would I have been scared of it as a kid? Obviously, Peter is super creepy. I did not like the scene in the graveyard. It's visually unsettling and it's like mentally unsettling when you think about the fact that that represents like actual people who he's killed. Yeah. But I think me as a kid watching it, the scariest prospect out of the whole episode would have been the idea of like losing my parents to rapid aging. Like the fact that you could just age my parents instantly. Yes. That is absolutely terrifying to me. Yes. And I was just such an anxious kid. And like my ultimate number one fear was losing my parents somehow. We've talked about this before, like in life, but yeah. in a car accident or however, that was always just my absolute like constant fear. So as a kid, that thought would have really bothered me. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't think that this episode necessarily meant to like get really deep with the emotions and what it would actually be like to grapple with that stuff. Yeah. Um, and even like Danny, the way that she approaches in the episode, she treats it more as like an annoyance that they won't take her swimming or like they aren't as energetic, but she doesn't seem to like be as emotionally affected by it. Yeah. But I almost think that could have been on purpose because it may have been too heavy if she was. Yeah. Like if you really like honed in on the peril of that idea that your parents are dying right before your eyes. Yeah. Might have been too much. So that probably is why they dialed back her reactions to yeah, it. Yeah. I think that's why it was silly. They made yeah, the parents They had to make silly. it a little silly in order to get by that. If I was her and I was there watching that, I would be like sitting in a corner losing my mind. Yeah, same. I'd be mentally wasting away versus same. physically. Yeah, I wouldn't have had any way to, you know. I wouldn't have been okay. No. I wouldn't have been able to like save them. I'd have nope, been a mess. me neither. And that was my whole thought. Yeah. So that's really scary. Yeah, that's pretty scary. So overall, <laughs> I have this episode as a 7 out of 10. All right, yeah. Just because those concepts are scary. Yeah. Um, it wasn't necessarily like visually scary, but when you really get into the emotional parts of it, that is something that I 100% would have found scary as a kid. Yeah. And still is scary to me as an adult. Yes. Is that concept. Or that concept that you can lose your life source or your life quickly or someone could take it from you. Right. Really scary. Very scary. The existential dread is very real. What would you give it out of 10? I was going to give it a 7. Nice. Yes. We agree. Because of all 
<laughs> all the same things you just said, <laughs> <laughs> which is why we're such good friends because we found over time that so much of our our human uh, condition and our human experience is very much the same. Yes, and I think that's just why we're able to connect so well because yes. our outlook is very much the same. Totally. Our existential dread is very much the, the same. same. It was shaped in a similar way. Yeah. We had very similar backgrounds and we had the same thoughts as children, which is interesting because you were the oldest and I was the youngest yeah. of siblings. So I find that very fascinating. Yeah. But my greatest fear is getting old and it took me uh, becoming an adult and learning how to equip introspection uh, as a tool or weapon to get through life yeah. to realize that it, it was that fear of time passing too quickly, aka wasting time, yeah. wasting my youth and energy. And I had uh, projected that onto my parents as a kid, maybe because of this episode or maybe because of something else. I don't know. I know that I saw things like it. I know that I saw things. There was a uh, Disney Channel movie actually called the poof point which me and my sister watched a lot but it was a sim it was it was done very silly very goofy yeah but this girl's parents were scientists and they were doing all these experiments and their experiment de-aged them so they were taking care of their parents as like as if they were toddlers yeah but it also sped up the aging process so it was like they just experienced their life in a certain amount of time up until the quote-unquote poof point which is when they would die cease to exist yowza and it was like it was a silly disney channel movie but i thought about that movie Yeesh. all the time it's traumatizing yeah because it was the same thing these i think taj maori is in it um tian tamir maori's little brother how was that ever but they had to save the day they had to figure out their parents experiments and how because they then their parents weren't there to same to, like this you know the parents aren't there to help you they weren't there to figure it out for them or, yeah they had to go into their parents laboratory figure out all of their research um, and it was all about, like, the kids growing up, becoming responsible, like, being smart and capable. Yeah. But, and, like, empowering kids. But at the same time, it's like, that's too much. It's <laughs> a lot. It's pretty dark. It's a lot of pressure. That's pretty dark. It's pretty dark, too. So that was kind of my experience. I yeah. had a nightmare one time of, of time passing way too quickly. Mm. And I watched my parents gray and age right in front of me. And no. when I went in to talk to them about it, I was just, in my dream, just, like, sobbing. Yeah. Uh, they were just like nonchalant about it. They were just kind of like, it happens. Mm. And I was like, I mean, but like it happened so fast. Right. So I don't know if that came from something like this or from other movies about parents dying or time passing. But There were plenty of them. That was always my fear as a kid. Me too. Then there's the second uh, layer to all yeah. of this, which is the voyeurism. That's very scary because that actually happens. Yeah, it does. So the, the science fiction aspect is not very scary. The whole like draining energy, the transference and everything that it would be used for something like that doesn't very, doesn't really right. get me at all. It's just the whole, the whole idea that somebody's watching you and you have no idea. I can't make my brain understand it. Yeah. I don't get that. Anyway. So yeah, yeah. like you said, on the surface, it's not mm -hmm. a very visually scary no. episode. It's not very scary. Exactly. But it's the idea behind what's happening that's terrifying. It's existential. And that's what would stick with us as kids, you know, more so. Yeah. We would think about it later and be like, wait, they, that means all those dogs died. <laughs> yeah. That's what little Kaylin would have like thought about. We're always more worried about the animals than the humans. Pretty spooky. Yeah. That is uh, all in all. the tale of the captured souls. Them souls be captured, but not yeah. these souls. Not these souls. Can't these capture these souls. You're going to capture these hands. <laughs> if, you, if you capture these souls, you're going to capture Danny's hands. That's right. Because she's so strong. She's so physically. She's such a physically capable. Mm. Yeah, what did he say? Something like that. Mm. Danielle. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. 
you know, thanks for hanging buttons, out. do the stuff. Thanks for listening. Tell us if you thought this was scary or not. We'd love to hear your opinions and thoughts or anything that stuck with you about this episode or others as a child. Have you ever been watched? Have you been watched? Do you have a scary... Have you ever watched? <laughs> a scary uh, story to tell us. Do you watch people against their will? You probably won't want to admit that to us, but... Yeah. You should... No, actually, don't tell us about any crimes you've committed. We <laughs> don't want to hear anything. Anyway. Cool. Sweet dreams, everybody. Yeah, until next time. Hope you can uh, sleep after all of these existential conversations. Yeah, don't think about death. Don't do that. While you're trying to sleep tonight, don't think about time passing and you're going gray and your parents dying. Definitely not. Uh, Or if they have died, don't think about them coming back from the grave. Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm sure there are many people, yeah. Yeah, don't think about them standing over the foot of your bed. Oh, my God. Smiling down at you, grinning. Why have we done this? With skeletal teeth and and no lips. We gotta get out of here. We're ruining people's lives. You know, no hair and worms. And their eyeballs um, playing pinochle on your snout. Your snout? Yeah. Okay. It's an Alvin Schwartz thing. <laughs> you wouldn't get it. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Thanks for listening. See you next time. See ya. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to That's Pretty Dark, written and produced by Christian Baxter Mott and Kaylin Andrews. Our music is composed by Jonathan Simmons, and our art is provided by Paige Garland at Power Girl Illustration. Join the collective nostalgia and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at That's Pretty Dark Podcast. Share your experiences and let us know what shows, films, or villains still haunt you from childhood at That's Pretty Dark Podcast at gmail.com. Remember, you're never really alone. So, until next time, sweet dreams, everyone. <laughs>